Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome your sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day intensive workshop for men seeking to overcome sexually addictive behaviors. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery. Your experts have over 35 years of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next intensive coming up June 6th through the 8th. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real-life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have back with us again this week uh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, Jonathan. Uh, great to be back again. Appreciate it. Yeah, so last week, uh, Jeff was uh, sharing uh, his story and kind of just introducing himself to you, listeners, and uh, and sharing just kind of, it's a very common story that we hear in uh, in our ministry and uh, even though, obviously, it's very unique to Jeff, it's still something that we hear over and over again. A guy gets introduced early on in his childhood to pornography. It starts to create some confusion in his life. He starts to kind of run after his lust um, and just trying to figure out where are the boundaries and what's healthy and what's not. And and then uh, ends up getting married and then has to really start sorting this stuff out because it doesn't just magically fall away. And so, Jeff, last week we sort of ended where you were sharing about how uh, finally things had kind of come to a head and, and where you were working and uh, some stuff got exposed about what you were doing on a computer. Yeah. And then people, for the first time, you said mentioned the word addiction. How did you, yeah. how did you respond? Because you you mentioned previously last week that that in your story you had never really. I mean, that wasn't a term that you ever really said. I'm going to associate myself with with that. What happened in you when you had somebody basically looking at you and saying you've got an addiction? No, I I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I I didn't appreciate that. I would say I was more than ticked off. Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> I mean, when I when I talk in raw form to my group about that story, I don't say ticked off. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just didn't seem like me because because someone who was addicted 
has to be someone who is physically having sex, having an affair, uh, just out of control, not really the trench coat, sunglasses, uh, hat guy walking around in the parks. I mean, that definitely <laughs> seemed to me like the addiction guy, but you know, I just associated that with alcohol and drug and I was living a fully functional life or so I thought. I had a successful ministry as a as a pastor as an as a church planner. It's confusing to me cuz cuz God was doing great things uh I thought through me, really in spite of me, but I had this terrible secret life where I was looking at all kinds of porn and even had the gall at the denominational office that I worked at for a while to to look at lots of porn. Mm. And my men- mentor, uh, a couple of my mentors staged an intervention and said, Jeff, this is controlling you. And that's, that's what it means to be addicted. And I just, I just was in shock about that. It took me a while, probably a, a few weeks to accept that. I just didn't want to be labeled. And really, I didn't want to be labeled as a fallen pastor, mm. you know. And, and, and then they start mentioning things like, well, Jeff, you know, um, you're going to have to get out of ministry. And um, this is, you know, a, a type of sin that, that you know, uh, you, you can't function as a pastor. I'm going, what are you talking about? You know, and this is just, to me, it was a weakness. It was a, um, it was a thorn in the flesh. And I just wasn't viewing my sin um, objectively. So what did you do at that point then? I mean, like after this meeting and after this intervention, obviously you had the emotional response of being very yeah. upset. But then what what came out of that? What When did you actually start to maybe take action in the direction of doing something about your, your weakness? <laughs> I think the first decision, Jonathan, is to admit the truth. And I, I promise you, in, in the middle of that in, intervention, I was my creative mind that God gave me was looking for some sort of escape, uh, and I just couldn't find it. And I go, you know, I've got, to ad- I've got to admit the truth here. Yes, those are the websites I went to. Yes, I did this. Here's how long I did it. I'm driving home just in horror and thinking, there's got to be some way that I can not tell my wife. You know, and, but I couldn't figure I couldn't figure it out, and um, maybe I can engineer something here. Uh, maybe I can put her off and work on this privately. I mean, it's just so I'm just so much in the in the isolation, private, dark mode. And um, I got home, and my wife said, "What happened?" I said, "I want to talk about it later." <laughs> she said, "No, something right. bad happened, didn't it?" I right. mean, she kind of knew. She just knew. Because cause she had, she knew a little more of the inside Jeff from home from the few times that she had asked me about porn mm-hmm. or caught me masturbating late at night after I thought she was asleep. She knew Jeff, and she knew that eventually something like that would happen. And so I, choosing to admit to my wife what happened, and then begin to face the consequences. Uh, that's a first big step. Um, I went to a counselor after that to get a little bit of help to get some sort of definition to this confusion. 
um, is this really an addiction? He's like, yeah, yeah. I think what you're talking about is Jeff. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it yet. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Um, so then, it, it, so then as you get, you get started getting some help, um, yeah. what, what started changing in you and then what ultimately started changing you to start thinking about others and how you could help them? Yeah, it, it actually, uh, our desire to start helping others came out of the hurt that we were feeling and our mentor leaders telling us, there's really not help for you here in this area. We think that you need to leave and go find help somewhere else. And that's fine, but not even having resources to put into our hands. Like, where do I go? Oh, well, there's this one church, I think, that works for fallen pastors in Georgia. Um, but we'll see if we can find that for you. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, we felt very isolated mm-hmm. during those those last few months we were in Buffalo, um, trying uh, with, with very few friends that we could talk to about that. So it started to boil in us <clears throat> a desire to, there's got to be help out there. And so my wife starts looking. You know, I'm kind of banned from the computer. My wife starts looking, going, Jeff, there's all these resources, there's these articles. She pulls a lot of focus on the family stuff. Look, there's even a phone number you can call here. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. She starts printing stuff off for me. And, you know, um, and then uh, we, we eventually moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. My wife is from North Carolina. So we figured let's move close to family. And God put us in a uh, really quickly gave us a, a church that had a men's Christian purity support group. Um, she found a spouses group. We both found counselors and we found uh, uh, experts, people around us who had been through the struggles and they were still in their recovery, but we start to actually find other people who, who are working through it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, wow, you know, where was this stuff? But but then all along, we're finding these ministries online going, you know, we've got a list here of 20 or 25 ministries with quite a bit of content. You know, it's a shame that that our leaders couldn't sh- take the time to look and find stuff and share this stuff with us. And so that birthed in us a desire to create a website. We... uh uh, created a, a website called porntopurity.com. And initially that was just to put our story up. We we're still in the middle of recovery, uh, but let's, let's put our story up. Let's put these resources that we're finding. And I had been doing a lot of blogging, uh, not blogging, but journaling. And I said, you know, I think I can use these journalings to write some blogs and really work some of this stuff out. And I had done podcasting before, I said, you know, I think I, I think it would be good at some point to start doing a podcast as well. So it's really out of a, out of our own frustrations of not finding resources uh, uh, f- from other people to finding our own resources to go. And there's got to be a better way to get this out to people. Mm-hmm. Now, how did what was kind of this time frame for your your healing uh, personally, and then also the healing in your marriage, because obviously that's a that's a big part, big piece of this is is the fact that 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 creates 
problems at home. You know, I mean, yeah. when oh, this yeah. stuff, when, and, and there's listeners out there that they're going, they may be just now right on the other side of that confession or that discovery for their wife to find, you know, find their secret or for them to tell them their secret. And, and uh, obviously that just creates a huge rift in the relationship. And so yeah. maybe encourage our listeners with that process that you and your wife went through that ultimately led to this place where both of you could kind of have the similar passion. And, and really, even though you said you kind of started doing this stuff in the middle of recovery, obviously yeah. you had to reach a point where you were sort of on the same page. Cause I'm, I, I can only imagine at the beginning there were not exactly warm fuzzies in terms of, feelings toward one another oh definitely i appreciate that I, I don't want to create any illusion that that my wife and i even when we started our website were you know we're, we're on we, we, that everything was great mm -hmm. <laughs> um we probably didn't start our website till two years into my recovery it's about two and a half years um and the early months were terrible um i felt like uh my leadership, my ability to, to focus and to lead my family, uh, had, had disappeared. My wife ended up taking the reins, making the decisions for the family. Um, she told me later, she was just worried that I was going to fall into a, 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 a long depression and maybe get suicidal. So she just, she kind of, we kind of went into survival mode with her mm -hmm. taking the lead. Uh, there's anger that she's dealing with. There's um, confusion for me. So much of my identity is wrapped up in my job, and uh, I didn't have that anymore. And uh, a big move and, you know, very expensive. So, you know, we started, I would say that, that big healing began for us individually with me going to a, a men's support group and a counselor with her separately going to a, a spouse's support group and a counselor to work out our um, own portion. You know, the Jeff recovery needed to take place way before the Jeff and Marsha recovery mm -hmm. needed to take place. And I, I think a lot of us guys, we, we just kind of want to get back to what we think is normal. <laughs> I just want to get back to normal. Right. I just want it to be, I, I, what I'm really saying probably is I, I really, I want my wife or spouse to not be angry at me anymore. Um, I want to be able to sleep back in the same bedroom. want to be able to have sex again. Uh, that would be back to normal. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think the heavy consequences of losing a job and um, feeling it financially um, help underscore a seriousness uh, for me. I, I want to get as as well as possible. I want to get as fixed as possible. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we had to do is together we had to prioritize our our budget and um, uh, our, our finances and 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 say you know the number one thing has to be recovery. We can't try to live a a a church life while, while we're messed up and broken like this. We can't, um, we can't be volunteering for things that will pull us away from family. We need to spend the money, pull the money out of savings so that we can go to counselors. Um, we need to do the work in the support groups. So it's us being on the same page at first was 
this is a direction that we both need to go and mm-hmm. aim at, and we need to commit the resources that we have to it. And there's a lot of messy conversations that happen in between. Sure, yeah. I always dreaded when my wife would go to the counselor and come back and then have all this dump for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this. some of it was anger, some of it was confusion, some of it was, is there anything else? What else are you hiding? You know, types of wife questions. Um, how could you do this to me sometimes? Um, sometimes I would come back from counseling and I'd be worse off. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. seem worse off because I just, they're just scraping with a scalpel. And, and then I'm trying to pour that out to my wife, what I'm learning in recovery, Jonathan, and, and she's not even able to hear it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like, I want it to be about me and my progress and she is still processing her hurt, you know? And so it, it's very messy. What helps us to find a true North is people who can walk alongside of us through the support groups, the counselor, and then, you know, having, having 50 messy conversations and one or two good conversations, you know, like, Oh, that was a real good conversation, but most of them just kind of messy. We're trying to figure it out and trying to work together. So Um, Jeff, what, what would you say are some of the the major insights that uh, you, you gained through this process that then in turn helped you to pass those particular things on as you began to start reaching out and helping other guys? Like what are, what are some of the key things that, that, were done in your life and in Marsha's life that then turned around to be some of the best uh, things that you could offer to others? I would say one of the things is, is the importance of coming out of isolation is finding somebody safe to talk to about that very dark place in your heart. It's so crucial. Um, as I have, it, it's and not just the sins of the past, you know, we've got to talk about that or the devil not only has a foothold, but has a, a stronghold. Um, as I continue in recovery, I need to talk, continue talking about the flow of my heart, those pulls, not just the things that I'm doing, but the things that I'm pulled toward that could become strongholds if I don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about my inner life with a safe person my wife is talking with about her inner struggles and her inner life and her own problems with a safe person. Um, that's really crucial. Another thing that's important is building a support team around you. Um, I need people that are for me. I need people that can hear parts or all of my story and be able to support me. My wife might may not, and my spouse may not be the supportive person. She might not, he or she might not be on my support team um, early on uh, because they're so damaged by it. Mm-hmm. But surely I can find, uh, I can pay a counselor <laughs> to be my safe person, but hopefully I can find a support group. I can find a best friend. I can find a person from church, a minister, maybe an old friend from high school that I need to go back to, to find and, and then to build my support team. I need uh, general people, in my support team who love me, I need specific people in my support team who can help me um, focus on key areas spiritually or emotionally. 
Um, or if I have legal troubles, I need a legal specialist person. Um, and then I need some people eventually who help me drill down, you know, people with the, uh, with the dental pick that pick in there to get all the cavity out, you know? Mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> so, um, building a support team is so crucial. Um, most of the guys I talk to, uh, I'm the first safe person that they have talked to. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they've been in isolation for so long. They really don't have, it's very difficult for them to find somebody, uh, that can be a, an early support for them. Um, let me ask you this. How does the, yeah. um, how does the grace of God play into all of this? Because, you know, so many guys, especially when they've been carrying the secret for so long, mm. uh, there's, I mean, you know, this from personal experience, there's not just, um, uh, there's not just confusion or there's not just a denial. Like you were saying, you never listen until somebody else introduced the idea of addiction. You really never embraced that on your own. Um, there's not only all of that, there's also usually a high degree of shame uh, that's associated with guys carrying the secret around and it getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And so sometimes there's just that, just when they break through that fear factor of finally saying, okay, I'm going to step into a, a group, I'm going to step into a counselor's office, I'm going to actually begin the process of unwrapping this and letting somebody else into this. How does the grace of God play into that? man's recovery? Because I think some of them are expecting the wrath of God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think for the guys or gals out there that are struggling and, and hanging on to this shame, I think it's okay to admit that you really don't believe that right now. Uh, if the message that you've gotten about God is, is just one in your mind, you know, an intellectual, I know that God is loving. I know that God is gracious. I know that Jesus loved me before I sinned and while I'm sinned and after I sin. I know that from the Bible intellectually. And I was a minister preaching that to people on a regular basis. But then here I am, um, who, what I have done to myself and my family that's all that I could see for a while. Um, I was my sin. I was what I did. Uh, my sin was my identity. I think if you can first just acknowledge that it's, it's okay to acknowledge that that's where you're at. And, and that even to say, Jonathan, that I just, I know that God is loving, but I just don't believe that right now. Mm. And then, and then to let, the faith of other people and, and this, this, this is why we need spiritual uh, people around us. I love Galatians six verses one and two. If anyone is caught in sin, let him gather around him, spiritual people to pray for him so that they can carry the burdens and restore gently um, and um, confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. The effective prayer uh, of a righteous accomplished much. That's James five sixteen. I love those verses because I, I don't even know how much I need other people to believe and pray for me um, out of the lies that I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I need to hear the truth, and I need to get into atmospheres of truth. I think that's why our podcasts are so important. I think that's why reading books and articles 
are um, and getting into support groups, talking to counselors, ministers. These are all sources of God's truth speaking to us, mm-hmm. in addition to the Bible. Um, and um, that truth eventually will teach me again who God is and, and the, the wise spiritual people. Um, and, and I would say a good passage to hang out if you're having trouble with the shame of God is Romans chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one that starts out. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, then it talks about who, what can separate us from the love of God. Um, if God is for us, who can be against us? Um, this is where the Abba Father passages are. Uh, that's a great place to begin to hang out, to be retrained that the love of God and the grace of God is a real thing. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. We've got a few minutes uh, left, and I want to be able to have you kind of tell listeners about how they can get in touch with you, but also kind of what your process is for trying to help uh, somebody who contacts you break, break free so that they can kind of have an idea of, of how you minister to folks. Yeah, we have a couple of websites, and then I have a podcast. Uh, our first website that we created was porntopurity.com, P-O-R-N-T-O, purity.com. That has um, tons of free resources, links, uh, about a thousand blogs on it, links to my podcast. Um, I have a podcast on iTunes called Top Tips for Sexual Purity Podcast. There's probably about 450 shows. Um, and um, what I try to do in that podcast is um, I try to do five to 10 minute, maybe to 15 minute shows, short shows about things that I, I'm learning in the purity journey and, um, and, and top tips, if you will, top tips for sexual purity. So it's, it's designed to be a short shot uh, focused directly on your recovery and healing. There's also interviews there with a lot of book authors, a lot of ministry authors, in, including yourself, Jonathan. Um, our most recent website is called puritycoaching.com. As Marcia and I started to help people, and as I started to do uh, support groups and even online support groups with another ministry, uh, Marcia and I thought, man, you know, we, we could do this ourselves. We could set this up. Um, let's just start a website where we uh, sell some of our resources, where we offer um, personal coaching, where we uh, are able to uh, provide online groups. So right now I have, um, uh, I have three online groups that I do, and all the times are on there. Marsha, uh, later this year, is going to be starting an online spouses group. We also have live groups that are here in the Raleigh area, if you're in the Raleigh area. But, but you know, being having a, a, an online group that you can join either by your, um, your video camera or by your phone, uh, we've got people from all over the world that meet in our groups. And, and it's I think- really cool. And I think that's important for our listeners to know because there's a there's so many people a lot of times that will that will contact our ministry and you know we'll start we'll start laying out their uh, opportunities that they have you know resources that are available and yeah. I think it's important for for those listeners who are um, still kind of on the fence because it's real easy to find out to to list off all the reasons why you can't do something. 
why, yeah. why you can't get into recovery. And I like the fact that you've got that purity coaching website because it sort of removes at least that one boundary, which says, there's nothing close to me. I can't, you know, there's no groups right. in my area. I live in Timbuktu. and Yeah, and, I travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's nothing around here. And so that really yeah. starts, that removes one of the easiest barriers that people like to use to say, I can't, I can't get involved in recovery. The other thing we do on our purity coaching website, Jonathan, is we offer something called accountability jump starts. And uh, Marsh and I started to, to find that people were wanting to have an accountability partner, but not having any close friends. You know, who, who do you have as your accountability partner? Um, I don't know anybody. We started to hear that. Or the person that I'm chosen as my accountability partner, my wife doesn't trust him. <laughs> so, sure, yeah. Uh, so um, I offer a specialized um, service. I uh, will be your accountability partner for uh, one, two, or three months. What we do in that time is, is, we, we, uh, is I, I teach you what it means to have real good accountability. We build an accountability uh, uh, game plan, and uh, we build on it, and I help you build some of your purity strategy. So there's some coaching that takes place. But you, I work with you to develop some some tailored accountability questions to your struggles, and and then and then we model it, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a neat neat thing. I've been through that with a couple of guys already, and um, and then as we get to the end of the twelve weeks, then uh, I'm confident if a guy's working that, then I can be able to help him, you know, develop something after the 12 weeks That's or great. he can feed into one of our uh, online support groups and continue the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good stuff. We're going to have to stop there. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the program with us these two weeks. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. And uh, listeners, we look forward to having you back here again next week on the pure sex radio broadcast. Pure sex radio is paid for by be broken ministries. Visit us online at pure sex radio.com. Mm-hmm.